Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show at LifeSiteNews.com. We're going to be doing a number of interviews with various pro-life leaders after the fall of Roe v. Wade to get their take on what's going on, to kind of analyze what the different implications are politically, educationally, pastorally. And today I'm having a very interesting conversation with a guy whose work I've been following for a long time. His name is Joseph Pardo. And he runs a pro-life organization in Puerto Rico, which I'm going to bet a lot of you don't know much about. It's a different kind of pro-life fight down there. It is it is an American commonwealth or an American colony, depending on your preference. And abortion is legal there, but the pro-life movement is just doing some really phenomenal work. And they're busy grappling with the implications of what Roe v. Wade means, because abortion was illegal on the island until Roe v. Wade, just as it was in so many other countries. So... To talk about the post-Roe future on Puerto Rico, I'm joined by Joseph Pardo, and this is that conversation. To start off, maybe you could just introduce yourself and your work to all of our listeners, because I'm willing to bet that the vast majority of them have never actually spoken with somebody who's doing pro-life work in Puerto Rico. Yeah, my name is Joseph Pardo, and we are on the organization I love the Nations, which is a nonprofit that we run the Pregnancy Center down here and a vast array of other pro-life ministries. And we're actually the first pregnancy center on the island. Started back in 2016. And that's called Cray Women's Care. Cray in Spanish means believe. So it's believe women's care. Yeah, we've been here since 2016, seeing the unborn rescued at our pregnancy center. And it's been a wild ride. For those who aren't familiar with Puerto Rico, maybe give us a bit of an idea. Where is Puerto Rico? I, I under, it's not an American state. It is an American colony. Some people will be surprised to hear that America does still have colonies. Maybe give us the background on Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico was a Spanish colony for the longest time. It wasn't until the war back in the beginning of 1900s that the United States conquered Puerto Rico from the Spanish. So Puerto Rico's never been really an independent island. Way back in the day when the Taino Indians were here, it was an independent place before, you know, 1492 Columbus. And it was actually Columbus who came here first. So that's kind of the history of Puerto Rico. We've been an American commonwealth. That I know there's a battle between the term commonwealth and colony. It is a little bit of both, but that's for official purposes called the Commonwealth since that war. And everyone here is a U.S. citizen. They can move anywhere in the States without any problem. And everybody here, just the only difference is because we're, we don't pay federal taxes to Washington, we don't get the right to vote for president. And that's ultimately, you know, we get a little bit less benefits of, you know, public federal benefits and stuff. But ultimately, that's the biggest difference between someone living in Florida versus someone living in Puerto Rico. Oh, and you asked, where are we? We're a Caribbean island, two islands, well, just east of the Dominican Republic and Haiti. That's where we're located. Okay, so you're American citizens. You don't have to pay taxes, but you can't vote for president. We cannot vote for president because we don't pay taxes here. So we don't have any say in the federal elections. We do have representatives in the House and Senate, but they're they're more like, you know, advisors on what's happening here. They don't have any political votes or power or anything in the Senate or the House. And there's the talk now of, the, of Puerto Rico becoming a state potentially in the future. And a lot of people are pushing for it. People, it's, it's, it's up in here. I don't think it'll happen for a lot of reasons. Ultimately, the people here don't have a consensus of what they want to do because they know if they become a state, they're going to have to start paying 20% or whatever it is, federal taxes on their income. 
to Washington. And it's an already poor island. A lot of the residents here are on public welfare and stuff like that. So to add on a burden of federal taxes here, a lot of people just stay with the status quo where we're a commonwealth and not not having to submit to the federal government in the taxes realm. So what is the culture on Puerto Rico like? It's a very family-oriented culture. We've been doing surveys here, whether they're political surveys or just culture surveys, and we're finding the the Catholic, you know, culture here that came from Spain is still very much ingrained here. We always say on the island we're we're 20 years behind the United States in a lot of things like, you know, you your European the Europeans set the trends for fashion and then America follows or, you know, America sets the trends and then 20 years later Puerto Rico follows. And so I would say 20 years ago people would consider the US a very Christian nation and this, these days they wouldn't but here, people would consider Puerto Rico a very Christian nation in the fact that over 80% of the people here, when surveyed, could deem themselves pro-life. Over 80% of the people here would say they believe in God, and they follow God, and they're Christians. And they're very family-oriented. They push back up against a lot of the LGBTQ propaganda that goes on here. It is. It's a very family-oriented culture. It's a Spanish culture. That's another key difference is that you know, Spanish culture is very, very family oriented. And then they push back against the United States making English the language here. It's never been made the official language. I, I guess it probably is officially, but we, they teach Spanish in the schools and English is a second language here. What is the status quo on abortion in Puerto Rico? It is totally legal up until birth here in Puerto Rico. There is zero legislation regulating abortion in Puerto Rico, and there's never been any regulation. Back in 1973, there was the, the the public penal code, which is the laws for criminal conduct. And the laws in 1973 that are still in effect today in the penal code make abortion illegal. And you, if you commit an abortion or the person you are the person committing the abortion, as, as in the doctor, the, the penal code puts a penalty of, so I think it's $4,000. I could be wrong there, but I know that the, there's a jail term of three years for a guilty conviction. Roe versus Wade happened. Roe versus Wade became the law of the land. So while we're not federally obligated to pay taxes, we are federally obligated to, to follow federal law. And federal law, Roe versus Wade, Made abortion elite, made abortion legal here, so abortion became legal when Roe versus Wade happened. And then there was a case here called Pueblo versus Duarte, and it was a, a it was a case of violence against a woman. And this case, they used Roe versus Wade. They were trying to get the abortionist put in jail, and because he had committed an abortion, and this decision of this case said there is no penalty for this abortionist because abortion is legal because of Roe versus Wade. So that was the law of the land, Pueblo versus Duarte, and that's been the way it was. Well, you know, the 24th of June, we had a major decision that reversed Roe versus Wade and overturned all of the right to abortion. There is no right to abortion in the Constitution. And we started having that discussion here of the penal code says this, three years in jail for an abortion, and the abortionists should have to shut down their centers and shut down everything because it's illegal now. 
well, the the liberal legislators here are saying, no, we have Pueblo versus Duarte. And we're like, Pueblo versus Duarte is based off of Roe versus Wade. So we're in that process of discussion right now of whether there needs to be lawsuits or whether we're going to make legislation in the House and Senate here to regulate abortion. And there is actually a, in the Senate, they passed a 22-week ban on abortion. It needs to go to the House and then get signed by the governor, which I don't think it will because the governor is very you know, free abortion until nine months. So we had a bill three years ago we tried to put through that was a heartbeat bill that made it all over the governor and the governor vetoed it and it never happened. So this is a much looser bill that they're trying to propose right now in 22 weeks just to stop, you know, late term abortions, which it maybe will save 100 babies out of the 15,000 plus that are aborted a year every year. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're working through that process of what's next. Are we going to push for total ban in the, in the law? Are we going to do regulation? We're walking through that. What is the population of Puerto Rico, like 15,000 abortions every year is sort of what percentage? These numbers aren't totally accurate either. They could be anywhere from 10 to 20,000 abortions. The population of Puerto Rico is over 3 million people. And the reason why we don't have the numbers is because the Department of Health does not inspect, require, or require the abortionists to give their numbers of abortion. So these are estimates based off of whether our, our sidewalk advocates, the counts that they do is see people go in. This is what the numbers that we have limited from the government that we get some access to, but there's no clear number. And part of this bill that they're trying to push in the Senate and House is a call to give firm numbers on everything, on who's doing the abortions, whether they're in private clinics or whether they're in the, the four abortion clinics on the island, or because there's just no, there's no oversight. And the, the Department of Health here, one of the top people there is the lead abortionist in Puerto Rico, does abortions up to birth. So they have very little incentive to to actually expose what they do. So what is the pro-life movement like in, in Puerto Rico? When we came here in 2000, at the end of 2015 to start this ministry, we came here because there was one older gentleman that was doing a pro-life thing, going in front of abortion clinics and protesting. That's all he was doing. And then there was a prayer group from the Catholic Church that was meeting on Saturdays in front of one of the, at that time, nine abortion clinics. So that's what we came into in 2015, 2016. 2016, we started Cray Women's Care. 2016, 2017, we started to see that this need here is not just a pregnancy center. We need to expand and we need to motivate the culture and the people here to stand up for life. I'm sure you've heard of Hurricane Maria. In 2018, we were starting the process of really kicking off more ministries, whether it was a sidewalk advocacy ministry, we wanted to do post-abortion healing, we wanted to do a lot of mobilization in the churches and, and kind of do like a live action type of thing where they have online videos, memes, resources, everything for for the pro-life because there was nothing in existence here. So Hurricane Maria hit 2018. We started going through recovery. It wasn't until 2019, 2020 that we really started kicking off all of our other ministries. And so it was about that time that we started post-abortion healing here. It's called Camino Asanar, which means path of healing. And Camino Asanar has over the last two years plus 
seen over 150 women come through our six-week Bible study program and just be forgiven and set free from the pain and the the guilt of their past abortions and really come out as pro-life warriors. So that's been a thriving ministry for us. And, and we started back in two, the end of, no, the beginning of 2019, we started Sidewalk Advocates for Life on the island. We partnered with them for the training and everything. We train, train leaders. We have people now at this time in front of three of the four abortion clinics on a regular basis, whether it's three days a week, the one next to our pregnancy center, we have that one covered almost every day through Saturday with sidewalk advocates standing outside and interceding and helping and offering care to the women that are going in for their abortions. And our Total La Vida ministry has, has been truly an organization that's helped open the eyes of people on the island because a lot of people here thought abortion was illegal it's going on in secret you don't know and it really helped them see abortion is happening here it's happening up till birth and what are you going to do about it so we go to churches we go to schools we have this summer five camps that we're going to and two public schools that we're going to and we've gone to three private christian schools this summer where we are just sharing the truth about abortion and educating people and giving them the tools they need to stand up for abortion. So it's creating a groundswell movement of people here to stand up. And actually this past uh, January, we took a group of 28 people to Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. So we had our first Puerto Rico coalition of leaders that went up to D.C. for the March for Life. And we're hoping to have about 100 this next January, but we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure what they're doing now that Roe versus Wade is overturned and all that. What kind of pushback are you getting from the abortion movement in Puerto Rico? It sounds like you have a very pro-abortion governor. You have at least four clinics on the island. So as the pro-life movement kind of grows, builds strength, what is the pushback for like? The pushback is a minority. They're the loud minority. And they're the ones that clang the cymbals and beat the drums and get the megaphones and scream at you which is the things they project on us that we do. They say we, we intimidate them, we threaten them. I'm like, our sidewalk advocates are out there just talking to women. You're the one screaming at them, and yelling at them, and cursing at them, and, and calling them names, and we're just here in peace. And, you know, so the pushback is very loud, very uh, offensive and everything like that. But, I mean, we're not deterred. They, they're, they're, you know, they're doing what they do, and that's what they, they – they believe in this cause and they're fired up and I'm sure it's like this in Canada. And, you know, I know it's like this in the States. You, you have a control over the media here that listens to one perspective that they want to push one narrative that they want to push and they'll give you some crumbs to put you on TV and stuff like that. But overwhelmingly the, the, the media coverage here is very on the, on the side of the pro abortion people. They let them come in and scream and denounce and everything like that. But we have some very, very good speakers here that have been going on the television since Roe versus Wade is overturned and giving perspective that basically silences them. When you are, we went on the radio last week and one of the very popular radio stations here in Puerto Rico on the morning show, and they were just ready to grill us and say, hey, so what are you going to do about this? And what do you, oh, you're against abortion. What about this? What about this? What? And because of the growth of our ministry here the last five years, we were able to give an answer back to everything that she was saying and in a way that like, she was like, really, you guys offer free help. Oh, you offer diapers. Oh, you, oh, you care for women that want to, because they were raped and want to have an abortion. You're actually going to help them to keep the baby and help them to give it for adopt, place it for adoption. You have these lawyers available to these women 
you have help for these women, they were shocked. And it's a lot of by our actions, we silence the opposition. And that's what we're really trying to show here is like, we're not just like pro-life, you know, like they accuse us of, we're, we're pro-birth, we're, we're pro-life for real. We're like, we're going to help these families, we're going to build a culture of life, and we're going to see change in Puerto Rico. If you have a majority pro-life culture, which is true for a lot of, of countries in Latin and South America, do you think that it should be fairly simple to create a political coalition that will force the governor into signing pro-life legislation? Like now that Roe is gone and it's actually possible to legislate on this issue, how do you how do you see taking advantage of the pro-life sentiment in Puerto Rico to ensure that preborn children are protected? The coalition and things like that are, are and I'm sure you, you understand this because you're in the thick of these things. It's never as easy as it seems because even in like the conservative factions, there's people that disagree. Like we, the, the prime example, this bill of 22 weeks, I'm not okay with it. I'm like, this is, yeah, we're going to save a hundred babies, but like you just permitted abortion up to 22 weeks and made regulation for it. So I see it in the opposite way. Instead of like, we're going to save this baby, a hundred babies that are boarded after 22 weeks. The, the coalitions have different factions within them. And a lot of them, going back to the original thing we talked about at the beginning, the question of statehood, the question of our, our status here in Puerto Rico and what we're going to do. The parties are not separated here, Republican, Democrat, like you find in the states. It's not conservative, liberal. It's three different parties that are pro-statehood, anti-statehood, and status quo. Those are the, basically the three parties here in Puerto Rico. And so there's hard to get a political coalition of people because they, their parties all run in different circles. And it's not so much moral st- status within the conservative values in their, in their parties. It's more, this is where we are on statehood. This is where we are on not statehood. This is, it's these kinds of circles. And those, those big questions that they, those big issues that they have with statehood, not statehood, inform the rest of their political you know, bent. So the people here have organizations like ours and a couple other organizations like Pro, Pro Familia Puerto Rico and Alerta Puerto Rico that are working together to form the advertising, I guess you would say, the letting people know we need to make a push to totally ban abortion here and, and help them to, you know, whether it's through lawsuits, like like a Roe versus Wade style lawsuit or something like that, where we get them to enforce the penal code and actually make abortion illegal. So there's a lot of different people working on this and we're having meetings, but it's getting the consensus of people with lots of different opinions to come together is the hardest thing. So would you say that the pro-life movement in Puerto Rico it works more with, say, the blue wave movement in Latin and South America or with the mainland American pro-life movement? It's a little bit of both. The South America, Central America movement is very like grassroots and very like they're strong and they get out there and they have humongous just, you know, protests and marches and stuff like that. My wife and I moved here from the States and we are more like in line with like, hey, we want to make a well done organized effort, like kind of like what happens in the States, not more like, you know, not connected. So we're trying to develop a well-connected movement here where we're all a part of a strong coalition of pro-life people. And, you know, the last 
something else about the culture here is the last two years have been really hard in Puerto Rico because a lot of the culture here is a culture of fear. And so me being from the States, you know, a lot of Americans are, oh yeah, we don't need masks. We don't need COVID. Oh, if I get COVID, oh well, I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps and we'll keep going. A lot of the culture here is fear. And the the last two years has been really locked down for real. Uh, and people are afraid to go out. People stay in their homes. People drive alone in their cars with masks on their face. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very fear-entrenched culture. With this movement the last two years, a lot of our hindrance has been with the fear in the culture. And even, like, doctors and lawyers and professionals here, we've talked to them and said, hey, are you pro-life? Yes. Will you come out and speak up and join this coalition? No. Why? Because... We will be persecuted by the Department of Health. We could lose our customers. We could lose our, they might say something bad about us in the media, and then we'll lose our money. And so it's very hard because of the fear of losing that we can get people in professions even to join our coalition. So it's a lot of that, that, that stuff. God can work it out. We'll pray through it. We'll see what comes up. But this is, uh, it, it's difficult. We're working through those things right now. What would an average day for you be like running a crisis pregnancy center in Puerto Rico? We're kind of unique in, in the way we have it. Our pregnancy center is literally three buildings down from the abortion clinic. We have signs outside welcoming girls in for free pregnancy tests and free help and all that. And we occasionally, I would say probably once every week or every other week, we'll get a person who thinks we're the abortion clinic and comes in and we help them. A lot of it now is we're revamping our websites and everything, our outreach, we're doing Google ads and everything to get more advertising online, geofencing to pick off customers from the abortion clinic, try to reach them first. So that's our main goal on the outside of the clinic is to how do we reach these girls before they get to the abortion clinic? We have the sidewalk advocates out there in front of the place that will, you know, once or twice a week be able to bring a walk a girl over to the pregnancy center. And then when they enter our pregnancy center, it's a totally different world as it is in the States. You, you get in there and the the leftists will, will paint us as we hate women, we don't take care of women, all this. But when they enter into the pregnancy center, you know, it's a total opposite. They are welcomed with a smile, with care. They're listened to. We hear their situation. And then we show them the truth about abortion through our counseling process, where they go into the back after they do their intake form. We understand who they are, their situation, their mindset. They'll go to the back. They'll take a pregnancy test, self-administered. They'll go to the back of the room with our intervention specialist. And they'll walk them through their their options and that's all we're doing is teaching them what their options are we say you have the option of parenting and explain to them what that is or option of adoption explain to them what that is option of abortion and then it really tell them what no one tells them about abortion and explain to them the procedure explain to them that their baby is alive at conception in his, in his own life eight days there's a heartbeat and walk them through even fetal models that we have in the center where we show them the development of their baby depending on how far along they are and i would the statistics are roughly 75 to 80 percent of women that come in determined to abort or abortion mindset will change their mind to carry after they go through our our session there. And then after that, it's not just, oh, we're pro-birth, we saved your baby. 
no, then they enter into our, it's called PAGA. It has a Spanish acronym. It's earn while you learn in English. And they go through our, into our earn while you learn program. And we have girls in there for one year, sometimes in their extreme circumstances, we'll stay in the program for two years. And we, where we just provide them with education, help them understand parenting, finances, economics, help them make better decisions and connect them to churches. And they get points for all of these things where they then turn them in for clothing, cribs, diapers, wipes, whatever they need. And these women stay with us and they love it. And they feel so cared for and loved and appreciated. They know they have an ally in our center here in Puerto Rico. What are a couple of your favorite stories from the last couple of years? Because with with the pro-life, pro-life movement, there's always discouraging stories and then there's pretty incredible stories that keep people doing this every day. So what are a couple of your, your, your greatest hits, if you will? This is actually from last November. We had our sidewalk advocates talking to the girls on the, right in front of the abortion clinic down the street from us. And she was going in for the abortion. They talked to her outside. They walked her down to, to, the, to the pregnancy center. She came inside and she was there with her boyfriend and she was determined to abort. He was like, I don't know if I want to. Da, 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 da. And they, they talked to them and walked her through the whole process. And we, we, she got the positive pregnancy test. She went through the counseling and she still wasn't there. She still wasn't like, I'm going to keep, the, keep, these, keep this ch- child. It wasn't until we scheduled the sonogram which was given her to her the next morning. She came back with her boyfriend and they did the sonogram together. And in the sonogram, they saw twins. They saw two heartbeats. They were like, we have twins. And that changed the whole room, the whole atmosphere. They started weeping and they're like, oh my goodness. And they realized we don't have just a clump of cells inside of us. We have two living heartbeat children that... (laughs) that we're deciding to abort and they decided at that moment they were keeping their children and we they've entered into our program and over the last since november it's been seven months they just they just had the baby last month and the two babies sorry last month and they're in our earn while you learn program and they have our support and their care and these were two babies that were going to be killed without them even knowing that they were twins that were rescued from the arms of abortion right in front of the abortion clinic. And now there's two more lives in Puerto Rico. So that's one story. Another one's a personal story for me. You know, we came, like I told you, we came here 2015, opened the center in 2016. 2017, I was going to the airport and I grabbed an Uber. I was going to fly out to Florida and my Uber driver, you know, came to my house, picked me up and me and my son, and we're going to the airport. We're just, we're driving and she starts talking to us. And why are you here? What brought you to Puerto Rico? Why would you ever come to Puerto Rico if you live in the States? Types of questions. And uh, I explained to her what we're doing and why we're here. I told her, well, my wife and I and our, and our five, four kids at the time moved down here to start a pregnancy center because we wanted to help women on the island. And we wanted to really show women that they have options and just take care of them and take care of families. So we started this nonprofit and we are here just with free help for anyone that needs it. And she's like, well, I'm going through a situation right now. I'm pregnant and my boyfriend wants me to abort. And I'm like, well, here, here's the number. I want you to go to our center and I want you to talk to them and they'll help you make a decision, an informed decision. 
And she took the number. The next day, she called Crane Women's Care. And I'm in Florida getting updates from our staff. And they're like, yeah, she's decided to keep the baby. She's decided to enter our, our program. And, you know, she has a little little baby now that's uh, about five years old. The sweetest little boy. She gets, she invites us to their birthday party, to his birthday parties. We've been involved with her life in a, outside the ministry type of setting. And it's just encouraging. You see this little kid that, you know, if I didn't get that Uber ride in 2017, that kid wouldn't be there right now. And most likely, and, you know, it's just encouraging. It's, it's an encouraging thing to, to know that, yeah, we may see that there's 15,000 abortions potentially on the Island per year. We may save 200 plus lives in the clinic per year, more or less. And, uh, the it's it's a small number compared to the grand scheme of things but you're like that's 200 more babies that are alive today because of this ministry being here to help them and there's countless numbers we can't even count the numbers of ladies that turn away in front of the abortion clinic with our sidewalk advocates some people just pull up see us there praying and, and helping and they just drive away we don't know if they chose not to abort because we were there or they decided but you know, people are making those choices. We've had a couple of people tell us, you know, they come back a year later and see us there and they're like, Hey, you know, I have this kid now because a year ago you guys were out here and I decided to drive away. And so we know that those things are happening and it's making, it's making a difference. So it's encouraging to know that there's babies being saved where there was not five years ago. So final question, where can people follow your work and check out what you're doing there? We have our website, which is pregnancypr.com. That's our Love the Nation's main website. On that website, it's got all the information about all the different things we do. We have testimonies, videos, more details about the work, how to contact me, how to contact the ministry, and be a part of it. And I'm just thankful that this has been <laughs> just thankful that, you know, we have the support. And one thing that's very cool is we were just talking to one of the feminists the other day on the radio, the radio program I told you about, we had all the answers for her. And she's like, yeah, but you guys take support from the government. All this is funded by the government. And we're like, no, 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 this isn't. This is all private donations from people that are pro-life that want to see moms, families, and babies saved in Puerto Rico. And the silence, you can hear a pin drop on the radio from she, it was just a surprise. We're just thankful that we have a group of donors all over the world that deem life so important that they're going to put their money behind it and help us support the work that we do here. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I appreciate the time. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Joseph Pardo from Puerto Rico. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you want to check out past shows and listen to the rest of the conversations we're going to be having about a post-row America and a post-row world, head over to lifesitenews.com. Click on the podcast tab. There you'll find the Van Maren Show where you can subscribe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast content. And again, we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks for listening.